Welcome to Beyond Clinical Medicine, what they don't teach you in residency. This podcast is the first in a series of discussions on risk management. The series will cover several aspects of risk, all of which are important to us. The purpose will be to identify potential risks so that we can learn how to, one, prevent them, and two, address and mitigate them once they've occurred. Today, we'll discuss a particularly significant, or should I say, personal aspect of risk management litigation stress. Medical malpractice deeply affects everyone involved. The consequences to the sued practitioner, the defendant, whether eventually determined innocent or guilty, can be far-reaching with emotional and psychological trauma. Some practitioners develop a form of PTSD, the malpractice stress syndrome, and they may become depressed and even suicidal. This is important. We have with us today a most remarkable expert, Dr. Kevin Clower. Kevin is smart, innovative, and accomplished. For the American College of Emergency Physicians, he's a board member and the editor-in-chief of ASEP Now, with a monthly circulation to all of its members. And Kevin has received several national speaking awards. Kevin is also a JD and has written and edited several books on risk management. Kevin, you work for Team Health as the Chief Medical Officer for all hospital-based services, and among your many roles, you're the Chief Risk Officer and the Executive Director of the Patient Safety Organization. For those of you who don't know Kevin, he's a rock star in medicine. Kevin, you're a busy man. I appreciate your coming to join us today. Welcome to the Beyond Clinical Medicine podcast program. Thanks, Rob. Happy to talk to you about this important topic. Kevin, litigation stress, we all get that it exists. What, what is it, and uh, why is it such a big deal? Well, litigation stress is really important, Rob, and we know that, unfortunately, um, through the course of a career, you're likely to get named in a claim or a lawsuit. Doesn't mean you've done anything wrong. Doesn't mean that there'll be any negligence found, but there certainly could be indemnity paid out. That's the dollars paid on behalf of a clinician defendant or a hospital defendant or others to a plaintiff. And there's a lot of stress associated with this, and I think it's largely underestimated. Is there more stress now, or is this, are we finally naming it? Well, we're naming it, and I think there is more stress now because when you look at the factors that contribute to the overall stressful environment in healthcare delivery, particularly what the clinicians have to face, and especially in environments that are challenging, like the emergency department, this is an additive factor. So it's already hard enough to work is what I'm saying, and if you're already close to feeling burnt out or overwhelmed, and then you get a letter and you get served and you've been named in a claim or a lawsuit. And by the way, Rob, those correspondences are never complimentary. (laughs) It's not going to be a positive uh, experience for you. And it only adds to it. And I'll just add one additional comment, if you don't mind, that we know that that not only does burnout and emotional exhaustion, et cetera, add to the likelihood that you may actually not function the way you would like to and create medical error and then subsequent lawsuits, but the converse is true also. So you are you know, named in a lawsuit, well, it's more likely to make you burn out also because of the stress associated with it. This is a real phenomenon. And I will tell you, and I've experienced this in my career as well, and I'm sure you have, even if you aren't named in a claim or a lawsuit, you're thinking about it every single patient that you take care of, and you're trying to avoid it happening to you and driving home from your shift, could this be the one? Well, you're right. I do think about it with every patient I see. What's the potential for things to go wrong and uh, to for the patient and 
uh, me, the practitioner, to suffer from it. We're well-trained, we're experienced, we contribute to great societal, great societal value, uh, and whether there was an error or especially when there wasn't, why do we walk away from a lawsuit so concerned and upset? Well, I think when there's a bad outcome, as clinicians, we feel largely responsible. Maybe not all of us, and to certain um, and varying degrees, but we all feel like we wish we could have done something to make it different. That's why we're there. And when there's a bad outcome, and then when it's amplified by being um, being subject to a lawsuit saying, well, not only was there a bad outcome, but we think you caused it, the whole process is challenging. And I tell you, it takes a few years to, to f- from the date of occurrence to actually be named in a claim or a lawsuit, up to 36 months, and it may take up to another 36 to 48 months after you've been named to completely close out the event. How much stress are you going through on a daily basis worrying about that case until it's behind you? And that, I think it's cumulative. It adds up, and it's not healthy, Rob. So you're, you're saying that it can have a prolonged and in pretty intense effect on a clinician, and, you, and it can last actually years uh, for that physician. Well, how bad does it get? What examples have you seen of physicians actually struggling in this setting? Well, on the, on the clinical side, Rob, it's, it's very, very predictable that when someone is named in a claim or a lawsuit, whether they've been named before or not, they're going to change their practice. And they really should not. You've taken care of tens of thousands of patients successfully and done a great job. And because of the amplification and magnification on this particular case, we start to respond to it and change things we do. Like we may overorder, we may do things differently. We shouldn't do that. And so that's one thing that changes, and we have to resist that temptation. The other thing that I see regarding stress levels is also becoming less efficient. As you're overthinking things, you're, you're overordering, it's slowing you down, and that adds additional pressure on your operational ability to take care of patients. And just like the continuum of, of burnout, think of this in the same way. So you're feeling stress about it. Maybe you're feeling you know, a little bit overwhelmed, and then as things get worse, maybe you're doing your deposition, or you're going to trial, or um, whatever it is that, that, that really is fatiguing you on this topic, then maybe you get some anxiety over it. Maybe it's prolonged and you're not sleeping well and not eating well. And what are your coping mechanisms? Are you, um, you know, drinking more than you're used to so you can forget the case a little bit? And then you're depressed. And Rob, this is unfortunate, but I've seen all of those with clinicians who have been suffering from litigation stress. And I've also seen those people that could not could not pull themselves from the abyss and actually committed suicide because of a claim or a lawsuit, because this was very personal to them, and because being a clinician means everything to them. When someone says you're not as good as you think you are and you might have hurt a patient, sometimes people can't cope with that. Well, it's, it's horrible, Kevin. Um, so I know that you have been working on some innovative programs just to address the stress that people feel and to walk through the process with them. Can you describe that a little bit? So Rob, what I'm really proud of, I think really helps clinicians, is really a liaison program that we have in place to really reach out to people. Traditionally, and it was in our organization in the past, um, on a case-by-case basis, you would decide whether someone was suffering from litigation stress and needed to speak to a colleague. And there were a handful of colleagues that would be contacted and say, hey, could you call this person? They're having some trouble, they're struggling. My belief and concern was, 
Well, should we be waiting for somebody to show overt signs of decompensation to reach out to them? Or can we just understand and accept that everyone will experience a certain degree of litigation stress and we should reach out to all of them. Starting September 1st of 2016, we created a program with a very brief training program on the front end where clinicians of the same clinician type, so PA calling a PA, advanced practice registered nurse calling a nurse, a physician calling a physician in the same service line, so we understand what each other is going through, they get a call from one of their colleagues to talk to them about the process. Now, not the case, because we don't want to create a discoverable event, but to let them know that, that there are others who have experienced what they've experienced, here's what you should understand about it, and here are all the great resources available to you, and by the way, You'll get through this, and this is not, um, this should not be interpreted to mean that you are less of a clinician than you have been and that you're of less value. And I think it's been very successful. We've made over 600 calls to date. I imagine it's very helpful because I assume that everybody who goes through this has a certain degree of shame and they don't want to talk about it. And having somebody who's there specifically to discuss it must be very helpful to them. Well, it is, Robin. I'm glad you brought up this, the shame component of this and feeling like they're unique. You know, I've had some clinicians come up to me and say, well, gosh, I'm really worried that, that people are going to think less of me. And my response to them is the only reason you don't know that they've experienced the same type of cases that you have in the same experience is because no one really wants to talk about it just like you don't. They're not going to think less of you because once you have had the conversation, you'll realize they've probably had a similar experience. It's not something we talk about openly. Maybe we should to a certain extent. Maybe there are reasons why we shouldn't. But we should all recognize that it is happening out there, even if it's not something that we're talking about on a regular basis. I know another part of your program is to help walk people through the logistics of a case, uh, so including depositions, because I think most of us don't have much of an idea what the intent of a deposition is. Can you talk about that training? You know, I can, and I think a lot of times clinicians believe that a deposition is the first attempt and the trial testimony is the second attempt to vindicate yourself. Nobody's heard my side of the case. This was a complicated day. There were a lot of sick patients. If I can just explain everything about it, they'll all understand and this will all go away. That is not the intent of deposition testimony. The intent is to test theories um, of the claims that you have before you and the plaintiff counsel wants to know how you'll respond to those and will they hold water. They'll also identify potentially, depending on how much information you provide, um, maybe new allegations and claims against you and avenues to pursue negligence um, that they will test then later with experts um, that they may add to the list. And of course, what they're going to try and do is discredit you, asking you the same question multiple different times, multiple different ways, hoping you'll answer it in a different way just one time so that down the road in trial, if it ever gets to that point, they'll pull out the one time you answered it differently and they'll show the jury that you've changed your mind. So this is what a deposition largely is about, and it's, of course, can be very stressful also. So in those who haven't been named in a claim or a lawsuit or done any deposition testimony or those who are struggling with it or have a really complicated case or a challenging plaintiff's counsel to deal with, we have a cadre of well-trained physicians who will go to the town where your defense counsel is, sit down with you and them, work through the case and the potential questions that may be asked and how you may respond and rehearse it with you. 
And I think that experience has been invaluable for so many people. We will give you, you know, support at trial. Last week I was at, at trial supporting one of our clinicians in a very difficult case. But you know what? Sometimes you need to see a familiar face in the room, and, and that same face has helped to walk you through the case, as you stated, Rob, and so hopefully they'll remember some of the pieces we talked about so that you can represent yourself in the best light possible. So, as you said, a deposition is not an opportunity to share what you did and to try to take away blame, but it's really an, uh, it's used to sometimes catch you. Well, yes, and your opportunity to vindicate yourself is more, if you can perform well at your deposition, we have, both sides have shown a couple of their cards at that point. If you don't perform well, well, then maybe the plaintiff has the upper hand. If you perform very well or some of their allegations will not be as strong as they thought they would have been, well, now you, the defense, has the stronger hand. And I think it's really important to, to recognize that it's not just showing up and, and not making a mistake, it's representing yourself well so that they can see that you're not an easy mark and your care is very defensible. Kevin, I know you've spent a lot of time on this program and you've recruited other people who are experts at helping uh, those who are sued to walk through the process. How well is it working? Well, I think it, like I said, working very well. And we actually monitor the program and want to make sure that, that we're providing value to people. So we send out a survey and, um, and we've gotten overwhelmingly positive responses. There are some times where people don't want a phone call. They can simply decline. But we also want to make sure the resource is available. You know, Rob, sometimes just knowing that people care and that there is a resource available to you goes a long way to your mental health and your well-being. So, Kevin, I, I want to thank you on behalf of all of us. You're once again creating a model of innovation that has enormous value to medicine and to the individual practitioners uh, and inevitably to our patients. Leave your line open. I'm going to be calling on you again. Thank you. Sounds good, but I hope you won't need to, Rob. <laughs> well, not about my cases. That's I mean, I did twist. set it up. <laughs> that was good. That was good. I hope you've enjoyed this Beyond Clinical Medicine podcast with Dr. Kevin Clower. If you have any questions about this topic or suggestions for other topics, please contact me. 